Good morning and welcome to Berkeley Church Ovilla Online. Today, Pastor Brian will be teaching an amazing message about being reconciled. Here's Pastor Brian with a message. God has promised from his word that when we put him first, when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that all the things that you need, all the things that he wants to provide for your life, he will provide and he will bring it to pass. The book of Proverbs says, honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. God wants us to know life, overwhelming life, and it comes when we put first things first. Amen? That's what we're doing today. We have put the first part of this week, which is today, not tomorrow. Sunday's the first day of the week. We are honoring him the first day of the week. We give him the first part of our day. We give him the first part of our every day. We give him the first part of our possessions, our increases, as a way of saying, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. Not me, not anyone else. You alone are Lord. Amen? That's what we do. We are walking in accordance with what he has said in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Colossians and said that in all things that Jesus would have the preeminence that he would be the first. He would be the first priority of our lives. He would be the first thing that we gave ourselves to. He would be the lead priority. And as a result, we've been on the subject for about, uh, was it six weeks now since January began? And I'm telling you, God is blessing our church as a result. I get to hear the stories of people within the church, individuals, couples, Families who have and are in the process of reordering their lives to put Jesus first in all things, and God is blessing. There is joy that they have not experienced before, peace not known before, blessing not known before, and he is showing his glory. Amen? So, 
a little, little behind the scenes here. Um, you, you probably know a little bit about my personality. I like things to be in order. I like things to be, um, you know, well, in order. I don't know how to say it. So, you know, when I'm working on a, a message series and Caleb and I sit down and work on it, you know, we're usually months out knowing what's going to be ahead. So, for example, late November, early December, I had this series in framework already. I knew what was going to happen the first week in January, second week, third week, fourth week. I knew what was going to happen last week and this week. I had a message planned for today, and we, we roll with that schedule. Okay, when I stay with it, we're sensitive to God in the midst of it. But this week, because of events that transpired during the week, stories I began to hear of things that were happening within our own church body and community, the more I was listening to God and being sensitive, I all of a sudden realized late Friday, the message I had planned for today was not the one that needed to be delivered today. So if you know me, you know that's tough. <laughs> right? You know, all of a sudden, uh, upset the apple, court, apple cart and change the flow, change the order, break the structure, go with something different. But it became so overwhelmingly obvious that that's what I was supposed to do. I, I had to adjust to it. So what you're getting today is what I believe is fresh, not that the other messages are not, but this one in particular in response to what God is doing. There's, there's something that God began here this year, I believe, something fresh, something unique even within the last couple of weeks. So today, I want to go back a couple of weeks to something that God started because I believe that's what he calls us to do. When he starts working, you run to where he's working. You get involved in that. You don't run from it. In fact, you adjust your life to it. You put first things first. So uh, today, the message is called Be Reconciled First. This is first things first. Be Reconciled. Two weeks ago, the message was based out of Matthew chapter 5. I want to read to you some lead-in verses before I show you the verses on screen. Jesus is talking on a hillside one day to a group of people who were living their lives just like you and I, and Jesus came to bring heaven into their world. And he said to them, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Before we get to the verses on screen, I want to just, I've already built a whole message around this. I'm not going to go back and replay the whole thing for you, but I just want to make a couple of highlights. Jesus was saying, you know that murder is wrong. You've heard that teaching. You've heard that law. But Jesus says, I want to tell you what has always been the meaning behind that. Jesus wasn't coming to say, 
I want to show you something brand new. In fact, it was the same as what it had always been. It's just that they had adjusted it to what made it comfortable. You know, you can feel pretty good about yourself if you haven't murdered anybody. Oh, kept that commandment. And Jesus says, well, let me help you understand what the real meaning of that is. The real meaning of the law has always been this. Don't have murder in your heart for somebody. If you have murder here, you're in danger of the same level of judgment as if you had gone out and physically killed someone and murdered them. And all of a sudden, the room got quiet. The hillside got quiet. Because Jesus says, I'm, I want you to understand this. I don't want you to understand this just so that you can feel more oppressed and condemned. I want you to understand this so you can know life. I want you to be free. I don't want you to harbor hate and resentment and bitterness in your heart because it'll destroy you. It'll put you in danger of the judgment, he said. It'll actually put you in danger of hellfire. It'll open up within your heart. The word I used two weeks ago was the word portal, a pipeline. It'll open a pipeline to your heart of hate, resentment, bitterness that burns from the very fires of hell itself. And Jesus said, I don't, I don't want you to know that. I don't want you to have that. I want you to be free from that. So don't murder with your heart. Don't murder with your words and what you say to someone. Don't gossip, insult, condemn. Don't insult, put down, reject. And do not, Jesus said, call someone fool. Now, in Jesus' day, to call someone a fool was not a term that insulted their intelligence. It was a term that insulted their very soul. It was the way of saying, you can't even experience life. You are worthy of only condemnation and death. You are worthless. So to call someone a fool was to put yourself in this place of elevated judgment and I know better, I know their motives, I know their heart, I can figure all things out and I'm okay with calling them a fool that they have no worth in them whatsoever. Jesus said, if that's the case, you put yourself in danger, a dangerous place in your heart, a dangerous portal or pipeline from hell that will ignite inside your heart. Don't let that happen. And then... Jesus took it one step further, as we saw in what I want us to see today. In verse 23, Jesus said, therefore, in other words, because of this, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. Let's pause for just a moment. Wait a minute, Jesus. We were talking about insults and hatred and anger, and all of a sudden you switch over to worship. You, 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 just, you just switch the setting here, Jesus. I thought we were talking about life out there, and now all of a sudden we're talking about life before him. I bring my gift to the altar. I'm coming to a place of worship. I'm coming to a moment of sacrifice. I'm coming to give myself in this holy moment to my God. And Jesus all of a sudden puts us in that situation. He says, if you find yourself there, if you're in that moment, you're coming to sing, you're coming to worship, you're coming to offer sacrifice, you're coming to give, you're coming before God, and all of a sudden there, in that moment, you remember that someone, notice the wording here, has something against you, that a brother has something against you. It doesn't say that you have something against your brother, although it applies in this situation. That as well as if your brother has something against you, if you get into this moment of holy worship and all of a sudden realize, 
uh-oh, I just remembered a relationship that's at odds. I can't, I can't continue in this when there's a problem with this, Jesus said. If you get into that moment and you realize that's what's happening, verse 24, Jesus said, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Jesus said, this, this matter of your heart, but not just your heart, another person's heart. This matter of anger and hatred and resentment and um, bitterness, that in you or in them is something so in need of repairing that you should stop what you're doing even in your most holy moment and leave. Leave your gift there. Go. And do what you must to be reconciled with someone else for your sake and their sake. And when that is finished, then come back and offer your gift. Now, on the hillside that day, those words were earth-shattering, as they were for us two weeks ago here. And I believe the Spirit of God began to move in our midst in some very unique ways. And I have heard many stories from people in our church who said, I was moved by God that day to repair and communicate repair in some relationships that I haven't in a long time. And only God can do those things. Change a heart and create in us a desire to want to go and make things right with someone. So, I want to continue on that theme today. Build upon this. And all the while, every one of us, be sensitive to what he's doing here. We do this every week. This is how we live our lives as believers. But I just sense there's something unique and fresh that God is doing here. So um, let's look at a New Testament passage related to this. 2 Corinthians 5. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5. Um, you can follow along in your app, whatever you've got. Um, you want to take pictures of the screen, you're certainly welcome to as well. 2 Corinthians is written by a man named the Apostle Paul. He was first known as Saul. He was first a Pharisee. He was first a man who really hated Christians. He was a man known for persecuting Jesus' followers, Jesus' lovers. He was the one who wanted to see them arrested and put in jail. If you follow Jesus, you were on Saul's hit list. And there were many who suffered as a result of his hand. Until Jesus met him one day in, a, in an after-resurrection experience. And Saul was changed that day. He became someone he had not been before. God did something fresh and brand new in his life, changed his heart. He became a Jesus follower. And then he had all of those memories and records of those he had insulted offended, arrested, beaten, and killed. 
and he comes to Jesus. And all of a sudden, he's got all of that in his head and his heart to deal with. What we're about to hear, I believe, is how God worked through Paul, a man like you and I, to deal with his past and follow God's lead into his future when there had been so much pain, so much destruction, so much weakness, and so much failure. Chapter 5, verse 17, you can almost hear the joy in Paul's writing in his voice as he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Can you imagine the relief that that is? To know that your past is not held against you because of the cross. That when you come to Jesus, he makes you new. He establishes a new relationship with you. You see, all Paul had known as Saul was that the way you relate to God was by keeping a list of rules and laws. And you were only as good as your last obedient form of the law, which no one could keep perfectly. And here Paul says, I've met Jesus and something has happened. I am not who I was. All things have become new. I'm a new person. The past has been washed and forgiven, and he does not hold that against me. I'm not working to pay off my old debt. That's what Jesus did at the cross. He has made all things new. Verse 18. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation was a big deal to Paul all of a sudden because he knew what it was like to be on the opposite side of peace and love. He knew what it was like to be removed and to feel a barrier between him and and God. He knew what it was like to feel the guilt and the shame and the fear. He knew what it was like to be angry and bitter toward other people. And in this moment, Paul said, he came to me when I wasn't looking for him. He came to me and he removed the barrier between me and him so that we could be reconciled. That where there had been distance and a barrier between us, he removed it so that we could be one. So that I could know peace, Paul said, so I could know forgiveness, so that I could walk with God in joy and hope. Jesus removed the barrier. You know, that's really a great definition for reconciliation. Jesus came to remove the barrier so that there no longer was anything between us and God. Now, Paul says, he he did that for me, but he did something else in me, Paul said. Now, he's given me and every person who's experienced this reconciliation, he says, he's done something in us 
He's created a new desire in us. Now, because we've been reconciled, it causes us to want to be reconcilers. He's given us the ministry, the passion, the joy, the interest, the motivation to want to be reconciled with others and to see others experience reconciliation. It's kind of like one of those things when you go on a trip somewhere and you experience it and you want to come back and tell everybody what you experienced and you end up saying, well, you just really had to be there, that kind of thing, you know. I went to a conference years ago and I went by myself, which was probably a mistake, but it's really all I could afford at the time. And Heather and I went and a couple of the kids and she stayed with some friends during the day and I went to this conference. It was a church conference for leaders. And I was just like, this is amazing. God, you're speaking to me. And it was just overwhelming. I felt so much direction and confirmation and hope and future and teaching and everything I longed for that moment in my life. It was awesome. I remember coming back and trying to tell her all about that conference. I mean, she was just there in the same city with me, but just trying to tell her what the experience was like. I wanted her to experience it. I wanted her to know. I remember calling some of the guys that I knew at the time in the church. I was like, I want you to know what I just heard. I can't believe what God's doing. I wanted them all to know. You see, that's what happens when you get the barrier taken down between you and God. Now, it lights up something inside that says, I want others to know this. And I want it to be true this way as much as this way. And Paul says he's given us now this ministry, this direction, this this passion. And Paul says, so let me just help you in case you're wondering what does this mean to have this ministry of reconciliation. He goes on in verse 19, he says this, that is, in other words, here it is. God was in Christ Reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. How's that for a bunch of Bible and New Testament words? Let's break it down a little bit. I know that's probably, you haven't used the word impute, you know, ever maybe in a sentence. I don't know. It's not one I use in my regular vocabulary, right? And trespasses, I don't use that either, but, you know, so let's talk about it for just a moment. God was in Christ reconciling, removing the barrier, okay? Reconciling the world to himself because it was the world that had done wrong. It was us who had done wrong, not God. But he initiates and comes to reconcile us to himself, not imputing. Imputing means to count against, to lay charge, It's your fault. You messed up. You messed everything up. You're the one. That's imputing. That's putting the blame on you. That's putting the law in its fullest effect on you. Pointing out where you failed. This verse says that because of what Jesus did, he is not doing that anymore. He is not taking your list of offenses, failures, sins, misgivings, weaknesses, faults, and frailties and holding it against you saying, look here, bud, you better straighten up or else I know what you've done and I'm going to make you pay for every last one of them. If that's your view of God, 
I'm so sorry. I know what's happening. You're walking in an awful lot of guilt these days. You're walking in an awful lot of sorrow these days. And you're missing this truth that the New Testament calls the gospel or the good news. Let me, let me illustrate this. You thought this was a table? It's boxes. Let me paint a picture here if I can for just a moment. You see, I'm going to let these boxes illustrate what happens because of our sin. You see, every one of our sins have a cost to them. Our rejection of God, our attitudes of hate, anger, our selfishness, and sorry for the product promotion here, it's just what I found. (laughs) And they're cheap. When you and I walk outside of God's ways. In fact, the Bible says we're really born outside of God's ways. I'm born with a nature that wants to do wrong. I'm born with a a desire, a bent towards sin. We didn't have to be taught to be selfish. You didn't have to be taught to be demanding and angry and rude. It just came with the package of you. But all of those, you see, create a barrier. It create a wall. It's your sins that have separated you from God. So, Nick, come on up. I'm going to let Nick be a picture for us today. Nick, why don't you stand right there? I'm going to let Nick be a sinner today. I was going to say, I don't have to let him. He already is. So, no. No, I mean... It's just real though, right? It's just real. <laughs> I am too. But in this situation, Nick's going to play the part of you and I. I'm going to play the part of God. Nothing about either one of us. We could switch the roles just for the picture's sake here. But because of our sin, we are separated from God. We, in our guilt, fear, shame, In our bitterness, our envy, our greed, our withdrawn rejection, we are separated from God. And what separates us is this. Our sin, our guilt, the law and what it said about us, and it was all imputed toward us. We were guilty. We by the law, were the ones who should have died. That's what the penalty for sin is, death. But from before God even created Adam and Eve, there was already the wise counsel of God that said there was a lamb slain before the foundations of the world who would come and he would take this enmity this anger, this bitterness, this selfishness, this arrogance, all the ugliness of what this is that separates us from God. 
that separates us from knowing peace, that separates us from having joy, that separates us from knowing love, from having this sense which I can lay my head down on my pillow at night and know I am at peace with God. This separates us from that. And so God sent that lamb to the world, to us, to be the lamb who would take away the sins of the world. The New Testament would say that Jesus would bear the enmity, the strife, the conflict, the angst, the sin. He would bear all of that in himself. On the cross, he would take all the ugliness and horror of this in its completion, and he would bear it. That's what the cross was all about. That's why it was so gruesome. That's why it was so ugly. That's why the sky grew dark. That's why it was horrific. And he died carrying our sin and the enmity and the strife with him to the grave. He carried it in, but he came out without it. And when he did, he began the process of removing the barriers and the sin that separated us and the guilt that held us. He removed because man can't do that on his own. Man could try all he wanted to try to be good enough, keep the law, but it wasn't enough. And so God comes and he removes the barrier. He removes every element of the barrier and says, now, come to me. Yeah, amen, amen. So what's left? What's left to do? What's left is for the sinner to come to God. Bring it in, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. Give Nick a hand. This is what reconciliation is. This is what Paul was saying that Jesus did. He removed the barrier. There was no longer the law against him that condemned him. No longer the fear, the resentment, the bitterness, the anger, the angst, the doubts. All of that is removed. This is what Paul meant when he said, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not not imputing their trespasses to them. I talked to so many people, and I've walked in this in my own life, where I've had this sense previously that God keeps the list. He keeps it off in a back room somewhere, and he's looking at it like, oh, I still got to make him pay for this. I'm going to get him. And people interpret their life based on that. Oh, no, my car broke down. I bet that's God getting me back for what I did back in 1972, you know? I'm serious. Oh, I've gotten ill. I bet that's because God's trying to... Look, if you're saying that, you're denying this. He is no longer imputing your trespasses against you. Stop calling him the blame. Stop calling him the source. He is not the one who has brought those to pass in your life. In fact, he is using those in your life to help you see his greater glory. That's what's happening. Amen? Not imputing. Be free. Be free from it. He's not holding it against you anymore. 
He doesn't have a list in the background. He doesn't have a list in his back pocket. He doesn't have anything he's holding on to. He's not keeping a list. In fact, you have been declared, the New Testament says, blameless. Yes, amen. He goes further than that. Not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus did. He says, I actually call you holy. Not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus did for me. And when you receive Jesus, you receive all of him, even the holiness. It becomes yours. Not imputing trespasses against them. So, let's walk to the next verse. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. In other words, because this has been done for you and you have experienced it in you, now you have been given a direction, a calling, a motivation, a drive to be reconcilers. You know now how to have conflict resolved because God has done that for you. Now you have the calling to go and be a reconciler. You and I as believers shouldn't have in our past, let me erase that. We should not have in our current state a trail of current broken relationships. You and I should not be the ones who keep a list in our pocket of each person's offenses toward us. You and I should not be the ones who are holding people's sins over their heads because that is not what God does for you today. Don't think you're better than God that you can do what he's not doing for you. You and I should be the ones who know how to reconcile. You and I should not be the ones gossiping, being bitter, angry, suspicious of other people's motives, judging other people's motives as though you think you know what their heart is. You don't. You and I should be products of and passionate for reconciliation. But I know how life goes. So Nick, one more time. <laughs> this time Nick is Nick and I am me. We're just two people. And let's assume that one day Nick says something to me and for whatever reason to me, it just rubs me the wrong way. Not that Nick would do that. But in that moment, I'm like, all right there, Nick. You're laughing because you know what that feels like, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Someone says something, someone does something, you're like, all right, watch out, bud. I got a box between us. I got a little bit of sense of attitude from you, so barrier. Got to protect myself and all. And... Because of that, I start thinking Nick is not all that I thought he was, which makes it pretty easy to see all of a sudden, oh, I saw the way you looked at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you're not doing that again. 
I know how you are. I know exactly who you are. And pretty soon, the conversation between Nick and I is not what it used to be. I got a little edge in my voice, and he's got one in his because he senses this is happening from his side, right? Anybody recognize this trail? Yeah, I do too. And all of a sudden now, everything that Nick does just confirms what I'm pretty sure I know already because I can know his heart, you know. And I don't like it. I don't like it. And so up goes the wall. Now, the crazy thing happens is when I start doing this, if Nick's not careful, the same thing's happening in him. So Nick, go ahead and get some boxes and you can throw them down with the same gusto that I did. And all of a sudden, whoa, hey, what are you trying to say? Thank you. That's better. That's better. Yeah. If we're going to have a wall, let's build, you know, you're going to be a barrier between us. You better put it up nicely. Pretty soon, I can't even see Nick anymore. I don't even like to see Nick anymore. Just the sight of his face just, ugh, just goes all over me. And I don't even want to see him. And like, oh, he's still over there. Oh, you know, that's how it goes. When you build a wall, when you put up a barrier, when you put up a barrier of anger, resentment, bitterness, suspicion, doubt, and I know their motives, when you put up that barrier, then this is what happens. You can't connect anymore. You can't see them anymore. You don't want to see them anymore. And chances are, if you've put up one barrier in your life, you've put up a few more barriers in your life. And pretty soon, you have isolated yourself out of a lot of people in your life. Now, the way it works here in our human realm is Usually it goes like this. I build a little, he builds a little, and we have a barrier. And Paul says, look, you and I, as Jesus followers who have been reconciled, who, when he had done no wrong, he came and removed the barrier. You and I should be people who do the same. Well, I'd go first if he would go first first, <laughs> right? I'm not, I'm not doing a thing until I find. It didn't work that way. Jesus said, look, this is so important for you and for him that if you bring your gift to the altar and you remember him, stop, just stop and go and be reconciled. Well, I don't know how to do that. You do. If you're a Jesus follower, you do. Because he did it for you. What did he do? He came to you in love while you were still being pity party, pouty, angry, crude, whatever. He came to you then. He came to you in love and he took the enmity in himself. He said, your heart is more important than my comfort. Winning your heart is more important than winning the applause. And so Jesus humbled himself, got out of his throne in heaven, 
came to earth, humbled himself as a man, lived among us, took upon himself at the cross the enmity and strife. You know how to do this. You may not ever put it together before, but you know how to do this. And Jesus said, it's so critical that you do this, that if you realize this is something you've built, or if you realize it's something they have built, you must do the work of reconciling. So what do you do? You go in love. You go with concern for their heart. And you remove the barriers. If it's your anger against them that has caused the scene, you take it down and say, God, you forgave me when I was far from you. God, you were forgiving of me when I was railing against you. God, you were patient with me whenever I was resisting and you methodically removed the barriers and so I will do that as well. I will not hold my spouse's sin against them. I will not keep on imputing to them their trespasses. I will not hold my friends' offenses against them. I will remove them. I will do the work of removing the barrier. Now, it's at this moment that people get a little concerned with this discussion. Because I know what happens. We start thinking, are you telling me I have to go be best buds with them again and invite them over to my house and have dinner with them and go out with them and call them and text them and be friends on Facebook and Instagram with them? I'm not saying that. The Bible says, do the work of reconciling. Remove the barrier. It might be that they're not even ready for that. It might be that you're not even fully ready for it. But here's what happened. When Jesus died on the cross, did not mean the instant restoration of fellowship of every person on earth. It meant each of us were going to have to realize the barrier had been removed and come to him. But he did the work first of removing the barrier. So you and I have to be a people who first remove the barrier and let the other person know the barrier is down. I forgive you. And then we wait to see what happens next. But we did what we were called to do 
of removing the barrier of our suspicions and doubts and anger and bitterness and jealousy and fear, all of that. We did it because he did it for us. Job, Nick. Thank you. Yeah, you can give him a hand. Our last verse today, verse 20. Paul sums it up in one more verse. He says, now, now then, because of all this, we, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's sake, or Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What you and I want is to see a world reconciled to God today. Amen? We want to see that for our friends and our family. The way they will see that God has come to reconcile is when you and I do the work of reconciliation and we do what he called us to do. No matter how awkward, humbling, difficult, sacrificial that work may be, it's what Jesus did and it's what we are called to do. Now, last week, uh, our lift group met on Sunday night. And when we did, we were talking about this and how we live this out. And in our group, uh, Kay Phillips is there. And she began to tell a story from her life of where God has worked and is working. And we were all moved by it to the point that I want her to tell it today. So, Kay, why don't you come on up? Y'all give Kay a hand. <clears throat> come on. And Kay would tell you first, this is not her favorite thing in the world to do, stand in front of a bunch of people and hold a microphone and talk. But God has worked. So, Kay, walk us through this past week. So, I was home watching online. And Brian was talking about portals. And he talked about a portal where resentment starts. And it typically starts out of a place of deep pain. And this portal he talked about opened up a portal of hell. And I was very upset because I have resentment that started from very deep hurt and pain very many years ago. And then he talked about that through loving reconciliation it opened a portal to heaven. And I didn't ever see a portal to heaven because I don't see how I could go to this person and they have a loving reception of me if I offered reconciliation. And it really tormented me. All I saw in my mind was if I went to reconcile, more pain, more hurt, more ugliness that I didn't want to deal with. And then Brian posted on Instagram Tony Evans' commentary of Matthew chapter 5, 23 through 25. 
and it spoke to me. I was still fighting this after even reading it because, see, I carry this wall daily, and it was in my face every morning when I got up and every night when I went down. And if I woke up during the night, it was there, and it would always remind me of this pain and hurt. I live very close proximity to this person, and so it was like it was in my face daily. And I just wanted some release. I was so tired of it. I lost my dad in January of last year. And the pain and hurt had intensified and intensified. And I just wanted to be released of it. So the verse says, so if you come to worship, remember, and that's what spoke to me, because I love to worship. I worship, I love to worship daily. I love to come here to worship. So if you come to, if you come to worship and remember that you, me, are at odds with your brother, and it spoke to me differently this time, because it's a family member, so it actually just replaced brother with a person that I was at odds with. And I've actually used that term quite a bit when I talk to people about the situation. Go and be reconciled. Make peace with your adversary in as much as it depends on me. And it spoke to me that I had a part in this. And for some, I didn't really feel like I had a part in it until I read this verse because it was always at me. And if y'all know me, I just, that's not me. I don't like conflict. I don't like ugliness. I just want to love on you. But as it depends on me, be reconciled before he takes legal action and the consequences of your dispute become worse. I couldn't imagine it worse. I didn't want worse. So the Lord started working on me. This I think he posted this on Tuesday or Wednesday. And I just kept reading it over and over. I took a picture of it on my phone so I didn't have to go to this post. You should read it every time I read it. And by Friday, the Lord was like, okay, go and be reconciled. So since I live in close proximity, this person, I drove to their house and they weren't there and I already had it all planned in my mind. I was gonna sit in the car, I was gonna call them, I was gonna invite them out to the car, I was gonna say what I needed to say and then if it got ugly, I could leave. And they weren't there. So I went home, told Jerry I was gonna go to the store. So I get in the car to back out, and here's this person driving down the road. And for whatever reason, they stopped. I mean, you could tell I was leaving, the car was started, and they stopped. So I jumped out of my car, wove them over there real quick, and I said, I need to tell you something. I have reacted to you out of a place of very deep pain and very deep hurt. And I apologize. I want to be reconciled with you. I don't want to have peace 
I want to live the next 50 years with you in peace. And this person said, okay, so, but that's not the part of it. So we left and it was no big, no big scene. And I was driving to the store. My body went, and I felt like something had been surgically removed from my physical body. It was like a new openness, a new heat, a new just, it wasn't there anymore, what had been there every day, all the time. All I had to do was think about it. I didn't even have to think about it. It was there, but I didn't realize how much play it was playing in my life. And just the freedom and the release to not have this weighted on me all the time. I told Brian this morning, I drove to church, same route I always do, and I thought, boy, this is such a nice drive to church today. And it's just really changed the way I feel. And I can truly say that I've been reconciled and I'm going to leave this person's in God's hands. I don't have any expectations of the future, none whatsoever. I'm anticipating life with this newfound burden and wall being gone. However, I don't expect anything from the other person to change. That's in his hands. But I'm so, so thankful for what he's given me. I feel like I have a new, new life. I think that's what Jesus was talking about. I think that's what he wants for us. He doesn't want us to carry around the hate, the bitterness, suspicion, the angst here. But to forgive and no longer hold against others what they have done or even done to us. And that is a work that only God can do in us. Amen? So I want us to pray today. I want us to be sensitive to what God is doing. If he has brought someone to your mind and heart that you need to release, I pray that would happen for you today. You would take the step. Not because you're strong, but because he's strong. It's because what he has done for you, now do for him. This is your ministry. This is your calling. This is our directive as believers. We can't be ones who talk about reconciliation, but practice gossip. We can't be ones who talk about love, but practice hate. We can't be ones who talk about fellowship, but practice division. He's called us to reconcile. So if there's someone that you need to forgive in your heart, start there. It might be that there's someone that you need to go to. And maybe the imperative calling of Jesus is so great that in just a moment when we stand, your, your best direction is out the door to go to whoever that is and wherever they are. It might be that they are in this room and that 
it would be worth it to go and take the step and remove the barrier. Can you imagine the revival that would break out in our land if we became a people who practiced what we preached, who lived out what we lift up, and do what Jesus did, reconcile. Ooh, this is us. We are people of reconciliation. Bow your heads with me. Father, today we are in awe of your word and what you've done for us. That while we were sinners, you sent your son to die for us. You didn't wait for us to clean up our act. You didn't wait for us to first say we were sorry. You came while we were still sinners. You came while we were in the ugliness and horror of our own sin. And there you took our enmity and strife in yourself and removed the barrier. So first of all, we want to worship you for that today and thank you for doing that. But second... We want to be a people who live that out. We want to be a people who reconcile in the same way you've reconciled with us. I pray you'd move in our midst today that your will would be done here in this room in the same way it is in heaven. Instantly, obediently, without reservation, and with full joy. We long to see your glory, God, here, just as it is in heaven. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with wow, me? Wow, what an incredible Sunday. That was such a great illustration about the wall that can be built in between us and really seeing about how to tear down that wall so that that can be built with other people. Have a great day. We'll see you next week.